the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's uh, let's talk about this uh, scorecard now. Who who was number one as far as you guys were concerned? Well, in in number one, we actually had several in that were a hundred percent with us. Okay, who are they? Uh, well, it's a long list, Dave. Oh, is it, it is really? Long, you got long list. You got some winners in this. So year. yeah, uh, that's what's so interesting about the scorecard is that over the years, you know, and the way that we score is you get a one for voting for the position the AFP uh, has, and you get a zero for voting you know, for not voting for the position the AFP has. But over the years since I've been here, this is actually my coming into my seventh year, finishing up six years this October, you know, the end of October. You've been, in, you've been years. the chair for t- ten yeah. years? Six. Six, six years. Six years. Holy yeah. cow. And so what I've noticed is that there is becoming, um, on the things we score, more and more uh, alignment and, you know, I would say center-right approaches and principles in what people are voting for in what we've been scoring. you know, So I know more people are coming to your so- coming, side than you're losing. Yes. We're Good. having, we're, you know, we have, we're a nonpartisan nonprofit organization that works in public policy. So we have conversations with everyone. And we, you know, when even when you look at, uh, though we're traditionally associated, of course, with the Republicans who we have a lot of alignment on, even among Democrats, you're seeing they're scoring in the 90s with this, well, where normally that wasn't the case. So I think that it shows, though, that Arkansas is a conservative state. And if you, um, you know, you can have some some differences, you know, mostly the votes that were uh, that the, the top two that the, the Democrats did not vote with us on, Democrat members didn't vote with us on, is learns. Uh, they're you know they had had some things around that they weren't quite on board with learns and also with uh, the regulation of environment social justice and governance scores you know so ESG so they weren't with us on that our position is that if you are taking in money that people are investing you need to be making the fiduciary taking the fiduciary responsibility on that investment to get the greatest return possible so that those individuals can use that money for their retirements etc cetera, etc cetera. shouldn't be making risky bets based on you know, we think this is going to be good for the environment, or we think this is going to be good for Yeah, if you're justice. a fossil fuel company, we're not investing with you, but if you happen to make uh, solar panels in China, we will. Yeah, and so, so we think that you should not, uh, that public entities, again, this is for public entities, they shouldn't be investing and allocating money based on political agendas. They should be doing it because they're getting the best return for the people. That's their role. Something <clears throat> that's been kind of interesting, I believe this still holds, holds true, you know, since the time that uh, we've had a Republican treasurer uh, started off, uh, I think Dennis Milligan took over after Schaffner, right? Yep, did a good job for the eight years <clears throat> he was in there. Did an excellent job because in the what they did in their returns, uh, in the investments that they had for the money they controlled for the state, they were making millions and millions of dollars that 
for the state based on those investments. And what does that mean? That means you start having some surpluses on money that's not tax-based money. And so that allows them to cut taxes. To cut taxes you know? So there's a way that you can play that smartly. And you know, also give a shout-out to uh, Ed Garner, who was in the treasurer's office. Oh, well, working he along. did a great job. He was the guy who was buying, finding things to buy out there that would return big investments. And then here uh, towards the end of Milligan's term, uh, and when Lowry took over, God bless his soul, mm-hmm. uh, bottom line, uh, he was pulling us out of uh, people who would not invest yeah. with everybody. They were so heavily into ESG that we were losing money by not you know, being with somebody who didn't look at that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, they they did an, an excellent job, and they were making decisions based on what was best for the financial health of the state. And so that's why ESG, we thought that opposing that would be uh, to the benefit of the people of Arkansas. So that that's, that's you shouldn't use that. If you want to use your private dollars to invest in, in those, that's one thing. But the states and the public entities, they need to be thinking of the dollars and cents first. Because if they don't do well with it, what are they going to do if it collapses? They're going to come to you and I, the taxpayer, and they're going to say, hey, we need more tax money from you because our investment's over here tanked. I'm going to tell you, I, got, I'm, I have my money in a group that invests for me, of course. That's, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't have the time to look at every stock and bond. But I'm getting ready to move my money out of their uh, business and move it into a business that uh, if it's anti-Christian businesses, will have nothing to do with it. Yeah. And and that's your private money indefinitely, you know. Yeah. Go go to where people – put your money where people appreciate you, right? I agree. You know, so there's no problem with that. I make similar decisions in where I do business personally as well. Yep. Um, Got to do that. But uh, on top of that, looking at the um, finally special elections, um, Representative David Ray, Senator John Payton worked on that to amend the law concerning special elections. Why is, why is this so important? Well, because special elections are where the majority, the millions and millions of dollars of local taxes are raised. Isn't it interesting that the mayor of Little Rock had to pull his idea down for that 1%? Yes. Yes. Because the city council wouldn't agree with him right. for a special election. Right. And those special elections may have a 1%, 2% turnout. That's right. And, so and you, that's what they were depending on. That's what they depended on is low voter turnout. Now, I will say I'm kind of proud of the work that AFP has done on local elections, supporting Good lo- job. local groups who are interested in fighting local taxes. AFP has helped them with resources and infrastructure to fight back. When uh, Mayor Scott had his one-cent sales tax previously, uh, we worked with even groups on the left to fight back against that. They didn't want the sales tax either. Amazing how badly that lost. Yeah, and and there was a lot of margin that, you know, they may have voted for it in general in that area, but the margin they had was way less, and the and the area in West Little Rock where people are paying attention to those sales taxes and aren't getting sold pipe dreams about what's going to happen right. with the money, that, those were way high. But I would knock doors in South Little Rock with people going, we don't need yeah, a multi-million dollar a giraffe. They were, he went out and, well, this, this latest 1%, he was having those town hall meetings and going out and trying to sell people on them. And some right. of the most poverty-stricken areas of the city were saying, 
no. Right. This is right. not the answer. Well, you know, we worked again with groups on on uh, the left because they reached out to us. We reached out to them. And they're like, our our people in poverty can't afford any more cost no. of living increases. And we knocked doors together is really crazy because it's again where you have one of those those times when left and left and right come together or people that are just interested in those kind of policies come together and and fight it to yeah well you talk one you can talk about this all right you get you have a situation where the the mayor says we want to raise the sales tax one percent mm-hmm. so what he's telling people is that i'm going to take one percent of your income out of your left pocket yes okay and uh then uh, we're going to turn around and give you a percentage, a smaller percentage in your area of the city in your right pocket. Yeah. You're losing money. Yeah. That's the bottom line. They're taking advantage of you. And, and many times. And they figured it out. These investments that they're saying they're going to make, the people who that sales tax impacts the most will probably use those facilities the least. Yep. And, you know, if you want to build something like that, then you need to figure out public-private partnership kind of scenarios, something along those lines. You don't try to tax the poor people already when we have – that's another component about this, Dave, is that the state the state has a very small sales tax on groceries, but this sales tax on the Little Rock side would have gone towards groceries as well. It would yep. have increased. So no one needs that additional pain in their pocketbook right now at the grocery store i think you know you you used to know carl kimball he passed away now it's been a couple of years i worked with carl on the act of food tax uh amendment we tried to get passed and and did not but uh, bottom line he used to say and i agreed with him wholeheartedly that the first bite of your food dollar should not go to the government Yeah. yeah and he's right he was absolutely right agreed Agreed. You know, so that's why it's so important that uh, that HB fifteen ten was passed. So special elections, they were always trying to sneak them in, marshal their few people that they could control and and network with closely to get them to turn out and make it difficult for opposition to turn out and just keep people in the dark about when the the special election times were. So now that changes. So it requires local elections to be held on traditional primary and or general election dates in the spring and much better much better and then uh senator payton and representative ray also had the prohibit local government from enacting an income tax because you they're like well if we can't a lot of people don't understand that that happens in a lot of states for instance i worked in kentucky for a while i i would not go back uh, again just for that reason because in louisville and then when i was there in lexington where i was working at that time they had they had a tax. If you wanted to work in Lexington, you had to pay a tax to be able to work. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Again, just like you're talking about the first bite of your food dollar, shouldn't you shouldn't be government. I mean, you shouldn't be having to to try to placate government to get to make a living. I agree. You know, and for no reason whatsoever. You know, it's not like it was a license that they're going to test you on and make sure you're competent and whatever, whatever. It's just. We want that money. And that's what's so interesting about these two bills when you look at them simultaneously. One, it just means that voter turnout should be higher when you're having a special election around a sales tax or something like that. And then two, 
don't give them a workaround to say, well, if it's going to be more difficult to get at that, well, then we'll just pass an income tax. Yes. And so that's awesome, those two bills put together. Then add on there what was one of the top issues for the governor, the Senate Bill 549, which decreased the income tax rates. And so now Arkansas is getting very competitive with the other states around us at a 4.7% uh, corporate rate. And so this is this is really good news for us because more dollars are going into your pockets. That means that you have more uh, spending for your grocery bill, for your kids' uh, clothing, all of those kind of things. And that's a good thing because those there's still a sales tax out there, so the state still can make revenue. But now you're getting the first bite of the dollar, not them. Those are in central Arkansas. Now let's understand that the money that's being uh dispersed at this time with the Learns Act is for, uh, I guess, poverty-stricken students and students that are at serious risk about education, and they're the ones that can use it. And evidently, parents have figured out this is a good thing, and they're using it. Yeah, because you're finding special education of the 4795, they're is nearly 2,000 of that. Their special education is their eligibility criteria that they're meeting. There's some first-time um, kindergartners, some succeed scholarship kids, uh, foster care children. So the majority of this that's that's going on here is from you, – you, are those that need it the most? Yes. You know, those that need it the most. Well, yeah. There's the ones that they were directing uh, – the beginning of the Learns Act towards. The rest of us have to wait. Next year there'll be the threshold to go up a little bit mm-hmm. and then in the third year the threshold is the threshold. It's yeah. all the way at the top. All the way at the top. And so yeah, Central Arkansas is using the most that followed by the Northwest, but these are also where you have the most concentrations of cho- of choice choices to go to, you know, different schools that you that you could go to. So the upper delta, the southwest, the river valley area, those will, as as the uh, population and the voters and the citizens of Arkansas learn more about learns, the more they like it, the more they're going to want to use it, and right. more market capacity will come online. Yes. And so uh, this is the very first year, and these are just the very first few months that we've had here. I think the state had budgeted for like 6500 in the first year, and so we're, we're under that. But there was also all the lawsuits and everything, everything up in the air about when this could possibly be implemented. And so not as many people were educated that they even had access to it. So the more that people uh, hear about it and learn that they have eligible students, the more they're likely to use it. So AFP is working right now on campaigns that are just to educate about learns, what you need to know. Uh, so you can get your children plugged into the education system model and plan that works best for them. So I think this is really good information. Uh, there were a significant amount of the 4795 that were already uh, active participants in private schools, but again, they knew about it first, and so they were able to, elevate, to uh, use that, but there is you will see a growth in those that have traditionally not been in, in private education or in homeschool education or whatever ed, uh, ESAs al- or the EFAs allow. Uh, you're going to see that grow. So let me just ask this. 
are you happy at uh, the number of private schools that are working with the LEARNS Act? Yeah, I think that there are 94 schools signed up. And so that's... That's much bigger than I think they yeah. believed it would be. Yeah. And what's so awesome about this is there are 94 different schools. Yes, they're geographically located. There's, there's some... In every corner of the geography of Arkansas, there are some options. I believe there will be more options. Now, this is just the private school component. When you start figuring out that teachers will be able to create micro schools, uh, that there is a component for a homeschooler to get uh, education freedom dollars and such, these dots on the private schools will be somewhat, you know, it's not going to be a full indicator of who's using these. But, uh, yeah, so pretty awesome to see these maps and these reports. In fact, we need to make... AFP will send this out. We'll send this report out soon to everybody and have them uh, take a look at it. But you can find the schools in your area that are utilizing LEARNS. Uh, I just think that it's great because the whole freedom means nothing if you have no options. I agree. It means nothing. If there's no place that you can go to use the option, then... There's no use in even having the option. And, and those that say, well, in my area, I don't have options. This doesn't mean anything to me. They have a limited understanding about human potential to solve their Give own problems. Time. Give it some time. And someone will come up with a bright idea. We have talked to micro school uh, teachers that are from other states. We've talked to states that have used their education savings accounts, like in Florida, to create brand-new private schools that are very niche um, there's charter schools being created that that don't necessarily use ESA dollars. They're just now learns also allowed for more charter schools to happen. I have a sister that's working for a charter school now that's been open only just a couple of years, and uh, they wouldn't, you know, they're they're getting more students in now because learns opened up capacity a little bit for them. They don't have to go and kiss the rings of the local school districts as much anymore. So things will proliferate more there is not a zero risk area ever so will there be schools that succeed and schools that don't yeah that's going to be true but there's there's public schools that exist right now that are doing a horrible job that may not exist because they're doing a horrible job right education uh choice was not a personal on personally on my radar when i started at afp and the thing that flipped me over to say this is what I want to spend my time working on is when I was reading and you're seeing 66% of our kids can't read at grade level. Mm -hmm. 82% of them could not do the grade level mathematics and nobody was changing anything. They all wanted to play around the fringes Mm -hmm. to make everybody feel good. But you have situations where kids are advancing through the system, graduating and not able to read. That is unacceptable. And if if it was just if it's the parents' responsibility to do that, then yeah, let it be the parents' responsibility. Let them make the choices. But when the choices are being made for me and my child still can't read, don't come. You know, don't think that I'm getting out of place when I ask. Give me those dollars and let me use them the way I think my kid needs to use them. And the one question that I've gotten when we talk, I talk about this to people is what about transportation if they want to get out of their school is there a plan that oh well this is really good that you asked that (laughs) so there is actually a transportation modernization grant fund that has been set up 
with at minimum 25% of that to go to rural school districts. So they can use this for building capacity, more buses, uh, hiring staff, those kind of things. But it's also about a plan of integration. You ha- this could create a system in which uh, district assets, public transit assets could be used to say, well, you know, we got a we got a public bus that goes in the area that the school bus doesn't have right. to go out to. They can already pick that kid up. And then saying, oh, these children need to be in the public school. These pe- children need to be in the charter school. These, you know, just turn it into getting the kids to the to the education that they need to get to. Yeah, I got to say that bringing that up about public buses. Look, the public buses here in Little Rock are really underutilized. And, for instance, when I was in North Dakota, went up there and worked at in Grand Forks, North Dakota for a while. In North Dakota, on the state level, they don't have, the schools don't have buses. Yeah. You use the public bus buses. Yeah, they do at some cities. Just and it general. works. Yeah. It doesn't not work. It works. It does. And what's so cool about it is the Learns Act does have the Transportation Modernization Program. And it has two main goals, reducing the student ride time and optimizing transportation resources. Absolutely. So it's, it's funds, and it is a plan to look at, here's what transportation exists, here's where it's needed. Let's align that transportation so that it's being used effectively. Right. Yeah, and you know, and now that they can do this, it would seem to me that Rock City, uh, that's our bus people here in Little Rock, would look at that. And as a group, start figuring out how they can utilize their resources to help the students here of the area and in the the same uh, effect, help their own business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have more riders on these buses. Make it more sustainable because right now they're usually operating in the red. Yep. On this, so here's an opportunity that was in Learns that doesn't get talked about a lot, but even public transportation, which a lot of people need, but it's not usually sustainable. Here's a way that you could make it sustainable. Uh, on top of that, you get a lot of pushback about well, Ryan, it's pre-K. Pre-K is where everything needs to start. Well, I don't know if you've got my kid K through 12 and they're not able to read. If giving them another year, yeah, is I make agree a difference. with that. Right. But Learns actually has is addressing that it has creates the office of early childhood and it is designed to streamline early childhood education in arkansas by addressing access service gaps program standards accountability and funding so it's saying well what exists out there right now in the private sector because you have that's another interesting thing is you can get child child care vouchers mm-hmm. and use those anywhere which is the exact same thing that education freedom account does but it allows you to use them in K through 12 not just the pre-K side and so this is looking at well what are our resources and if we were to allow for more uh, funding to go to educating in pre-K for those that would want it What's going to be the accountability? What are going to be the standards? You know, that's it. You know, that's the question. So, Learns even has it built in a foundation for pre-K into this. So, transportation pre-K. The only reason that anyone is upset about the Learns Act is because the dollars are in the hands of the parents and not in theirs where they've been this entire time. Yeah, not in the the school system. Right, and the school system should be the provider of the education, I should be the consumer of the education, and if I can't 
have another option than that and they will not accommodate what I need, I should be able to take those dollars somewhere else. We already do do this, again, with you have government money in the child care vouchers that go to private businesses. You have the GI Bill. You have the Pell Grant at the college and university level, that that is government money that goes to can go to private uh, institutions. This is a foregone conclusion. The public dollars following a person to the school of their choice, that's a foregone conclusion. Our culture has already accepted this, and the only reason individuals push back is because they believe they can wedge issue that to under, uh, you know, to uh, uh, under-informed voters yep. to try to create wedge that's issues because at the end of the day the loss of power is what is the most hurtful to them but i got to believe with uh, you know all of the different groups all the the governor's office and going out and doing their uh, um, sit downs with parents and things of that nature oliva going out having sit downs with parents explaining it all uh a lot more information is out about this than there has been in the past. So I think more and more people are starting to learn about it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know about it, it's because you haven't asked questions. Yeah. That, that's the key. Now you have to ask questions. we got 60 seconds. Go ahead. Well, that's why AFP is committed to continuing to educate on the LEARNS Act. We've got a series of uh, short videos, actually animations, with an animated character of yours truly that will be rolling out. It's going to be kind of funny. Um, the first one came out, and I look like Ron Howard's brother, which actually uh, may be accurate. But, uh, but yeah. So, so you're going to do the School of Rock on your, uh, your that's what uh, we're website? Do. Yeah, it's going to be fun. All right, It'll be really cool. fun. That's cool. But, yeah, we're going to address these claims. It does address pre-K. It does address transportation. It does take care of our teachers and is one of the largest investments in public schools that the state has, has ever made. And we should all be celebrating that. If someone is telling you differently, they're nitpicking at things that can also be solved in the rules and regulations processes or with uh, legislation later on that will solve that problem. It's really been about the control of the power. They don't want you to have choices. They don't want to give it up. That's exactly it. They don't want to give it up. Yeah, that I spoke to, their main concern was salary. And it wasn't like, and I asked them, what about your results? And they were all about salary. They didn't really want to talk about that. Of course they don't want to talk about what's most important. Okay, we've got to get a break in. We're going to come back. By the way, I'm going to tell you that uh, um, Ryan is getting ready to go on a trip to Virginia, and he's got a very special person who's riding with him, and we'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about PI Roofing. I always talk about PI Roofing when I'm talking about roofing, and that rightly so. They are the best roofer here in Arkansas, but now they're also a general contractor. That means if you've had damage because of the water getting in your home and you need drywall replaced or maybe, uh, you know, it. Uh, you know, cause problems with uh, some of the two by fours between uh, the drywall. Uh, you don't want. Maybe you've got some kind of uh, mold that's growing in your home. They can help you get rid of it. They can help you uh, get somebody out there to take care of it. Because let's face it, if you've got a, let's say you got a three or four thousand uh, dollar thing that you need done. That's how much money it's worth. The big companies aren't interested in you they're looking to build houses basically where houses that used to exist don't exist anymore you know building from the foundation all the way up uh, 
little jobs like this, is, eh, you know, maybe, maybe not, probably not. PI Roofing will get them probably done. Let's just put it that way. You call them at 501-707-3115. 501-707-3115. Do you know what today is? Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday. It's not a special day. It's just that we got one more day of the week, work week done. All right, basically. One more done. Yeah. Tomorrow, we'll start celebrating because <laughs> it will be Wednesday. All right. That is, what's the name? Hump Day. That's hump right. Day. It's Hump Day. So we'll be, uh, we'll be celebrating uh, on that. All right. So the LEARNS Act is, a, is just a huge, huge uh, move forward. You going to be here next Tuesday? Yes. Okay. So let me call and see if uh, Secretary of Education Oliva yeah. will come in and spend an hour with us next Tuesday yeah, and talk excellent. about a lot of the things that we've been talking yeah. about today. Yeah. I mean, there's so much in here, and that's what AFP has been working on. How do we package up the message to get it out there? You know, you, people saying, well, we don't want private school or public dollars going to private schools. But one of the things that's interesting is that the LEARNS Act also to help retain good teachers is moving the amount of uh, student loan repayment from 9000 to 18000 And many of these uh, teachers have gone to private schools. So right. if you don't like it that a kid can take their, their money to a private school, then paying a public school teacher that went to a private school to pay off their student loan should also equally be, in, if you're being intellectually consistent, right. that should be upsetting to you as well. Uh, Simone hit on an, an idea that I've heard, like, well, I've got this education, I've been here a long time, and someone else is coming on, you know, to... At a, at a rate that's equal to or maybe even greater right. than what I started at. And this is what happens in general when you raise minimum wages, period. Right. But it's what we're needing to do. It doesn't stop the school district from taking their money that they have in internal control over, local control over, and, and adding to the pay scales. But what LEARNS does is it does try to set a standard that the standard is about having positive results, not just adding more education. I, I hurt for teachers in a way that have been told the only way to get more dollars, more salary, is to take on more debts, pay for more school. Right. And that doesn't necessarily equate into the result of a better educated child in the classroom. It just doesn't necessarily mean that. I know a lot of highly educated people that probably would be terrible, terrible teachers. Right. But, uh, you know, they're the teachers they do, you know, this isn't bang, this isn't knocking on teachers at all. It's just that the incentive is you can have a bachelor's degree, be an exceptional teacher, and still make a lot of good, you know, increases mm-hmm. and get the bonus that is also available out there for teachers. Yeah, there was resent, like almost resentment over just that fact that teachers can come in and make what I had didn't make until yeah. such and such amount of time. I mean, my stepdaughter is a teacher, and she works with younger kids, and it depends on which district you're in too uh they shop around for districts to start in you know and but it, but it should come down to and it sounds like the learns has even in transportation some kind of infrastructure for accountability yes. in general laid out in it and we'll see more of it as it gets put into play more too yeah i mean there's several layers of of accountability that are built into this including you know uh some people say private schools are not held to the same standards of testing as public schools but 
Arkansans respect and return on their educational investment. That's right. what has caused this to be an issue. We did not feel we were getting what we needed out of it. And COVID highlighted sure. that when our education moved into our homes, you know, where we had our kids away from school. And we were like, well, they're not getting what they need. There's some things I think that they shouldn't need. Uh, and then what are they doing with the rest of the day? Now we have all their schoolwork done. And so that put a lot of Marching with a pride flag. Could, right. could have been. Could have been. But the LEARNS Act mandates an annual assessment in literacy and math for participating schools or service providers. Those are the top two things that you want. And this is for all those that are taking the education freedom dollars. Uh, and, well, I thought it was just interesting. It's kind of a PSA kind of thing. And, yeah, we want to we want to treat people for depression, but we don't want to depress them when they're hearing <laughs> the, how to get treated. All right. So <laughs> let's talk. There, uh, Ryan, you're going to be gone to Virginia. You're going to be back next week. You're going to be able to bring back a lot of information, I'm sure. Well, you know, education choice is a winning policy among even Democrats in Texas are now making comments of like, hey, you know, it is best for my community if they have the ability to choose. You had a uh, state rep in Georgia who flipped her seat because of the issue of education choice went from a democrat to a republican and it shouldn't be a democrat republican issue right i know it's a parental issue it's a parental rights issue and there are democrats who are working in this space who say it's a civil rights issue well absolutely you know it is but to everyone there's no boxes you need to check it's a civil rights no matter what box you check yes let's look at it this way it's soft racism when you look at a group of children and you say, well, you know, you can't learn as well as white kids, so we'll lower the, the, you know, the bar for you. That's the worst kind of racism than there, there is. That's, that's taking somebody and say, you can't rise above. Anything. I, I don't think that's soft racism. It's just racism. Well, that's what but they call it. But they call it soft how, racism. How do you think they feel about what they call rednecks and hillbillies though i mean it's no different than you know the the type of it's more of a class issue i think than anything and i i agree with that a a lot it's it's a class you know kind of a class issue but when you see that there are innovators out there like dr angela kennedy out of florida has deeper Mm -hmm. roots academy she was a public school teacher didn't believe that her kids were receiving the education that they needed and the, switched it up she went into private started her own private school very difficult but she did it she then created multi-dimensional intelligence how is the child intelligent are they intelligent with like kinesiology are they intelligent in logic are they intelligent in science what is what is it and then finds their learning how do they learn are they you know hearing visual, visual hands-on mm-hmm. what is it and then she structures that individual child's education all around that. And so those kids are passionate about what they're learning. They're being given the information in a way that they can learn best and absorb information best. And you're seeing these hockey stick improvements in kids that the system had written off. Well, that's the big thing. If if you're going to have teachers, it, sometimes you need to teach teachers how to teach, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, and it's not a cookie cutter scenario. So there are people that that can learn really well visually and others need to do the thing over and over again, yeah. you know, and repeat it or whatever. But that's why it's so important for the money to follow the student right. because the parent and even the teacher are going to identify these things. So you need to make sure your student's in a school that works 
with the student and yeah. how they learn. Yeah. yeah, I think that we had one class when I was in school that was it was available for people in the higher IQ class. So it didn't involve everyone, but mm-hmm. that that's how they spread everyone out was how do you learn and what are your interests and and it actually got me interested in things that I didn't think I liked at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and because of the way they would teach it or they would uh present it to me. A lot of it is presentation too. Right. I mean, right. I've had a great math teacher, and then, I, then I've had a bad math teacher. Not bad, but just was ill-equipped to deal with my mind. Yeah, and, and that happens. I mean, you can go and take a concept that you need to learn, go to YouTube, and find 50 different people yeah. teaching it 50 different ways, which is awesome because you can find the one that fits you. But not only does it help kids that are going to possibly go on to university and in, into acad- you know, higher academic level things, but even – kids who are not possibly going to go that direction it gives them opportunity as well there's uh, the graduate arkansas charter school to where the kids that even the public school of little rock or the surrounding public schools that kick these kids out because there's no hope for them they're not going to learn they help them complete enough of their education to get their diploma and then many of them go on to truck driving jobs mm-hmm. some have joined the military some have joined the trade uh, schools trade schools but they completed a milestone that is necessary to be successful moving forward. And so even options like that are positive. There's more than one way of being successful in our culture. So that's something that you can't that, – or that some people don't even want to try to create solutions for. But there are those that care enough. A shout-out to uh, Katie Hatley who runs uh, Graduate Arkansas because she has a passion for these kids that – Society was marginalizing, pushing right. them aside, saying there's no hope for you. You're 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 17 years old and you're wearing an ankle bracelet already, for, you know, so the cops can keep up with you. She's got to where they can plug it in at their desk to make sure <laughs> it doesn't go off and uh, run out of battery. But they're getting an education and they are loving it. They're connecting to it and they're getting enough to be able to get out there and be productive citizens. Well, sometimes they need to feel like there's an opportunity because maybe that when they look around their community. And sometimes it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you look around your community and no one else really cares about this or so you think. So why should I care about this or no one cares about my community or anything. So I'm never going to get anywhere because this is the generational blight that they've had to go through. And sometimes all it takes is them knowing there's an opportunity and even the attention that, that you would give to these children or young teens or whatever, that's a lot of it too because a lot of them nurture for or need that nurture you know to get interested in things 100 percent. we're out of time hate to tell you that ah it goes so quick all right back with you simone is here i hadn't even introduced that she was here again and she's on in here every tuesday good to have you back in simone good to be here oh you've been chiming in uh with uh, ryan today quite often as we got into the whole education thing and look let me let me say something real quick here yes i know that patty hector was fired (laughs) as the saline county public library director i'm well aware of that i had it at for 10 35 this morning that we were going to talk about it but i'm going to be honest with you there are more important things than a uh, librarian that should have been fired weeks ago, I finally so. getting fired. Okay, right. so we'll talk about her on uh, the 1035 half hour, and I will uh, play back uh, the uh, audio that I have from her uh, many months ago mm. talking about, you know, 
our books are for all the children. You know, but, you know that she went into and and had a meltdown, and uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, pretty we're gonna rich. we're gonna play that. It'll be the last time you'll hear it for a while. <laughs> so if you want a copy of it, be running tape or whatever that you want to do on your phone Push or record. anything like that. I want to talk specifically about facts that are going on in Israel right now. And when you when I want facts, I'm going to tell you right now. I go to heritage.org. That's the web- website for the Heritage Foundation. I sent them an email immediately after I heard about the attack. Now, it was on a weekend, and, uh, you know, a lot of people weren't even in the Heritage Foundation. So they got my email on Monday. They called me yesterday afternoon, and today Dakota Wood is with us on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's a specialist, an analyst about... uh, um, Israel, he's with the Heritage Foundation. Dakota, thanks for giving us a half hour here. Absolutely. It would have thrilled to be with you. I just want to say up front, I would not have ignored Simone. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on in your studio there. But, oh, thank you. Uh, I mean, the last thing you want to do, right? I I agree. Now, are you, are you watching the uh, the stream that we got going on? No, no, no. I'm uh, actually working from home today. We've got some construction going on around the place, so I haven't been able to check into the program. Uh, but you know what you all are covering uh, on the Israeli thing, I know I started with a little bit of levity there, but uh, yeah. I'll tell you, it's just horrific what's going on. The, the most recent uh, accounts I've been reading oh, uh, is Israeli disgusting. soldiers reporting um, 40 babies massacred. And some of the bodies mutilated. So, uh, you know, the uh, Netanyahu talking about the animalistic behavior of these Hamas terrorists, uh, it just cannot be understated, I don't think. And uh, if you recall the mood of our country on 9-11, with nearly 3,000 Americans uh, killed in that one horrific attack, if you look at the numbers of Israelis that have been killed, upwards of 1,000 now, more deaths being uncovered, on a population basis, that would be equivalent to thirty to 35,000 Americans killed as a percentage of population. So the, the savagery that they're having to deal with, and Netanyahu's promise to completely obliterate, I mean, eliminate Hamas as an entity, they will follow through on that. And we don't know where that's going to go in terms of the regional dynamics, but uh, but it's game on over there, and uh, you know, Israel is on a war footing. Yeah. For the people like Tlaib and 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 uh, AOC and the rest of them, I mean Tlaib, God, you know, bless her soul. I guess uh, she's got a Palestinian flag mounted on the wall outside her office. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, Netanyahu was right. This is the work of savages. Is what happened, and uh, she has said that you know the the Israelis are you know in Gaza and and keeping the the people of Gaza under their... They haven't been there in 18 years. Right. They haven't been in control of this place for 18 years. It, it's, it's, been, it's been Hamas that's been in control since, since uh, 2007 or 8. Yeah, the Palestinian cause, if you want to use that uh, phrase, uh, has been an issue in the Middle East since Yasser Arafat and the PLO, going back to the 60s and the 70s. Yeah, you, you'll recall this. Yep. And it has been a useful uh, tool that many Arab states have used uh, to, to bludgeon um, uh, Israel. You know, if they were really concerned about the plight of the Palestinians, they would have incorporated it into their own societies. 
You would have had, you know, peace discussions, uh, you know, incorporating into the fabric of economies and those sorts of things. But even the Arab world has has exploited uh, this Palestinian cause for their own political effect. And in fact, most recently, Israel um, had allowed 15 to 20,000 Palestinians out of Gaza City uh, to find employment in Israel. Uh, Israeli citizens, whether they're Jewish, Arab, it doesn't matter, have more access to uh, economic opportunity, education opportunity, health care and security than they would in their home countries, you know, back in Saudi Arabia or Egypt or anywhere else. So for you know, some of our own elected representatives in Congress uh, to say that Israel is responsible for this and that somehow or other the Palestinians are victims in all this is just unconscionable. And we see that same attitude on campuses. I mean, I'm sure you've read about oh, protests in favor of the Palestinians there in Harvard, right? Yep. Uh, and in some of the cities, you know, across uh, the world, Sydney uh, Opera House um, <clears throat> had a, a huge pro-Palestinian um, a protest that was there, and people who were there to counter-protest in favor of Israel were told by the police to go home for their own safety. So the Palestinian side could do whatever they wanted, and the Israeli side had to cower in their own homes, you know, out of concern for their, their physical safety. So it's just a world that's been turned upside down. And, and I think uh, America is going to be on the right side of morality and history by standing with Israel against the brutality that we're seeing uh, perpetrated by Hamas. Well, what happened over the weekend, and I, I want to press on this because I think it's important. Hamas came out, uh, of course, Monday and said they were looking for uh, now to, to have uh, peace talks and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the, the important part of their statement, which was nothing more than propaganda, was that they said that they had succeeded in attacking the the people they wanted to kill, which meant that they went in to kill uh, elderly, uh, just normal citizens in everyday life, breaking into people's homes, slaughtering the people in their beds, and, and, uh, and killing all these people. There were more deaths over the weekend of Jews than yeah. in the final days of the final solution by the Nazis. It, it, it's just horrific. You know, that music festival, it was a music festival in that area that had been put on to celebrate you know, peace, right? A reconciliation, yeah. people coming together, and those sorts of things. And, and the Hamas terrorists infiltrated that and just started mowing people down with automatic weapons fire and handguns and rifles. Uh, that tragic picture of the young German girl uh, that was uh, nearly stripped naked yep. and uh, was in the back of a pickup truck, you know, with mm-hmm. young Palestinian boys coming up and spitting on, you know, the uh, the desecrated body uh, and, you know, uh, the Palestinian fighters, uh, terrorists, you know, sitting on top of her and the whole bit. I mean, this is the mentality of these people. And it's not just fictionalized. You know, this isn't some kind of movie where people are overwrought and we're trying to you know, glorify violence or something like that, they are streaming this themselves on their own social media channels. Yes. You know, the beheadings of Israeli soldiers, the beheadings of some of these little babies that are just being reported out, uh, elderly survivors from the Holocaust being abducted and taken back into the tunnels that are underneath uh, Gaza City. So uh, it's a, you know, the gloves are off on this thing, and the Israelis cannot tolerate 
um, this sort of uh, activity. And if they did anything to try to say, well, let's, let's let cooler heads prevail and we'll have a ceasefire and kind of go to some negotiating table, I mean, their own people would rise up yes. you know, against them. And it would send a signal to Iran, which is the mastermind and the supporter behind all of this stuff, and Hezbollah and what remains of the Islamic State and all these other terrorist groups uh, that have been rocketing Israel uh, not just in the past few weeks, right, but for years, tens of thousands of rockets and missiles raining down on cities, suicide bombers and nightclubs, abduction of, uh, you know, police officers uh, that are trying to patrol, you know, the line between, let's say, southern Lebanon and, and Israel. I mean, you, you know all these headlines, and it's all come to a head this past weekend, and, and I'm really fearful of the consequences of this on a larger regional basis and what the impact would be on the United States and on the world. So what are we seeing from the other is uh, the other uh, Arab states now, the Saudis, the Egyptians, the Jordans and whatever are are they um, are they as shocked and as sickened by this as we are? Uh, yes and no. So the public statements have been very guarded about decrying the violence right and the uh how abhorrent uh, the tactics have been that they haven't necessarily come out in full-throated support of israel you know to say that hamas is evil and needs to be held account and those sorts of things because it's not just the diplomatic relationships between the capitals you know between jerusalem and riyadh and and other places they are also mindful of their own domestic populations so what is going on in the streets in Saudi Arabia, right, or in Qatar, or in the United Arab Emirates, or Jordan, or other, and you see these popular protests coming out, or celebrations, uh-huh. uh, I think is the right word, celebrating the Hamas-Palestinian attack on those hated Jews, you know, uh, Israelis. Uh, so that's what the street uh, is doing. So when you hear a diplomat or a ruler in one of these countries, they have two minds. You know, what's going on in my own country, and I want to maintain my hold on power. And yet, what is the kind of the diplomatic community in the outer world, you know, where is their view on this? And they're very skillful at playing that line in the past. But I think the brutality, the reality of the brutality, is going to force their hand. Uh, Abraham Accords under the Trump administration, wildly successful. Um, some of the arguments uh, on why the timing for Hamas to do this now was because of um, a growing reality that normalized relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel uh, mm-hmm. were very soon to be closed out. And so this was a spoiler to try to keep that you know, from happening. Right. So it's uh, again, it's going to be a fascinating uh, in an ugly uh, sort of way, macabre sort of way in the coming days and weeks to see how these countries line up and what they do. Uh, domestically, with their own populations, and what they do on the international scene. Coda, for my listeners, help them out a little bit. If people start parroting the stuff that you hear from Talib and AOC and other of the pro-Palestinians about, this was brought on by uh, the Israelis, how should they answer those people? Uh, just tell them that they're ridiculous. I mean, you can point to actual current live stream reporting. Uh, you know, Hamas has already talked about uh, executing the hostages that they're holding, uh, you know, one for every airstrike that uh, Israel uh, would conduct uh, into Gaza, and, and that they were going to live stream those executions. So how does anybody in the Western world uh, or in the United States or in our own Congress somehow or other 
uh, validate what Hamas has been doing and what they will be doing for what they've said uh, and say that Israel is in some way uh, responsible for this thing. So e- even if you accepted the, the fraudulent argument that what Israel has done over the last you know, 10, 20, 50 years somehow has um, been unconscionable and uh, has deprived the Palestinians of whatever it is that they're arguing for, uh, nothing justifies the horrific acts that Hamas has been perpetrating. So when we have the, uh, the Pakistani representative uh, to the U.N., um, what is it, the high commissioner uh, for whatever the heck the program was, uh, talking about this tragedy and not mentioning Israel or saying that the Palestinians are somehow the victims here, having our own members of Congress siding with the Palestinians and with Hamas, uh, you know, it, it's intolerable. And I think that, you know, shows like yours, other commentators, other elected officials, and, and just civic leaders in our country uh, need to point out um, the, the wrongness of, of those kinds of statements. Uh, if I were in Congress, I'd be working to censure uh, the members of the squad. Uh, they're on the Democrat side and hold them account for their public statements. And you could even hold up some of these graphic pictures that are being you know, shared in the news media and on social media and ask them how they can justify their support of Hamas uh, with the evidence uh, that has so clearly been presented. Well, don't just say the Israeli soldiers and Israeli military have been uh, terrorizing uh, the people of Gaza for years, when in fact Hamas has been the one that's been in the last, uh, what, uh, 13 years has been terrorizing uh, the Gazans that are living there. Yeah, well, they've used them as human shields, right? So what they, what Hamas and Hezbollah up north, what Hamas in particular has done, is has created all these tunnels uh, underneath Gaza City. They've tunneled under the uh, border area into Israel, and then they come up, they uh, snag uh, some poor unsuspecting Israeli, drag them back into the tunnels, and either kill them or hold them as a hostage, right? And then when they put in their command bunkers for planning and control of these operations, when they put in their own... Uh, weapons development facilities, you know, to build the little rockets and those sorts of things that they've been using with abandoned. They put those facilities underneath hospitals, underneath schools, mm-hmm. underneath, you know, civic sorts of things. So they're using their own children and their own civilians and doctors and all those other people as shields, figuring that uh, the Israelis uh, will not conduct attacks out of fear of the collateral damage, you know, the the deaths or injury of civilians. And then when the Israelis have to do something, uh, Hamas then uses that as propaganda to say, oh, you see how evil the Israelis are, then they'll, you know, show bodies strewn on the street or something like that, most of which is propaganda and it's all fictional anyway. But you just can't equate what the Israelis are doing with what Hamas has been doing. All right, last question for you. We've got a couple of minutes here. Uh, they're going to have in Israel their committee committees being asking a lot of questions about how they missed this attack as far as yeah. intelligence goes. Uh, that won't happen for a few months probably, but there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Is that not true? Yeah. It, no, it absolutely is. You know, It's kind of like America... Uh, yeah, while you know smoke is still rising from the rubble of the World Trade Center and the Pentagon and the you know the field out in Pennsylvania, right? Where how could this have happened? We'll deal with that. Let's deal with the response now, 
uh, to terrorists, right, going after al-Qaeda right. and others. The Israelis are banding together to deal with the current problem. But they will have these commissions about how Israeli intel uh, could have been fooled or oversighted. I think a lot of it has to do with complacency, and I think that a lot of it has to do with the human tendency to take observations and fit it into a desired picture rather than going where the evidence leads, right? Uh, so you can be willingly fooling yourself because it, it aligns with the world that you would prefer to see, or maybe if you've gotten arrogant that you really do know everything that's going on, and so it couldn't possibly be something else. I mean, this is just a human characteristic. And, uh, and what happens over periods of time, people get comfortable in thinking they know what they actually know without routinely questioning that, you know, without having a solid red team or a 13th man or something along those lines that challenges these presumptions and assumptions. And so these commissions will root that out. I think the lesson then is for the United States. Yes. You know, do we really know the status of Iran's nuclear program when they have everything so deeply buried right. in these tunnels and caves under mountains? And it's just it's a warning to us all, I think. I, I would agree with that. We usually do something about once a quarter with you. And here you are today. It's fair time. We want to talk about that. And then let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up for 2024. We've got to start doing that now because do you know – are you ready for this? Are you ready for me to tell you this? I'm not sure. Eleven Fridays till Christmas. Oh no, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I, don't, I no. knew you wouldn't be. I was not ready. Eleven Fridays till uh. Christmas. I know you wanted to hear that, didn't you? And I was just saying <laughs> we've got to start doing Christmas shopping last weekend. We've there get you it go. Started. All right, Rose. The fair is here. What are you all going to be doing uh, at the fair? Well, thanks, first of all, Dave, for having me back. You're always welcome here, man. You're one of my favorite people. Well, thank you. So, yeah, we're going to be at the Arkansas State Fair. We have been at the Arkansas State Fair for close to 50 years, you know, just uh, trying to change hearts and minds because that's what it's it's all about, you know, educating that's our primary mission at Arkansas Right to Life is to educate, and that's our largest public event. You know, at being at the fair. So really? We have our, yeah, our, we have our pro-life exhibit. We meet hundreds of people. We uh, need many volunteers, tens of volunteers. I usually have about 50 to 60. And I do have some still openings at the fair. So if any of these, your good pro-life listeners out there have a few hours, they'd like to go out to the fair and, and um staff our booth for us that would be awesome we'd love to have them so all they need to do is call our office 501-663-4237 and we'll see where we can put them but um yeah we we have great things at the fair for the people we have balloons for the kiddos you know we they can get a order a bumper sticker we have free bags for them to carry around. Cool. Uh, you know, pens, lifesaver candies. Uh, we got our window decal. I think, Dave, I brought you one last oh, good. time I was here. Yeah. You know, it's just a static sticker for yes. people to put on, on the their back car of my sh- car. Yeah, to show that they're pro-life. And we have our literature carousel that's got literature about all of the subjects that we cover, abortion, infanticide, and euthanasia. And, you know, for people to pick up uh, maybe the pamphlet of their local crisis pregnancy center. We have those on there also. So lots of information that we share with our, our fair goers. And uh, this year we've got a couple of new things besides, you know, every year we have a petition. 
And this year, the petition says, Arkansans affirm Amendment 68 and protect unborn children. So that's our petition because, you know, in Arkansas, we have a state uh, amendment to our state constitution that says it is the policy of the state of Arkansas to protect the unborn from the moment of conception until birth. So there you go. Used to be people would say, well, why do you got it all the way up to birth? For goodness sakes, then nobody going to want to have an abortion before the baby is born, right before they're born. Yes, there uh, are. Yeah. yeah, there's another party that talks about that. Isn't anyway. that amazing that, like that, that, that you would even have to, like, there would... Well, Rosa, tell you, amazing. it goes beyond that now yeah. in that they're talking about, well, maybe you should have, like, a, a week trial period after the baby has been born to decide if you really want to keep it or not. Yeah, so people need to be educated. Yes. Yeah. Always. I, I'm educating myself all the time about this you issue have to because... Be. Every day there seems like there's some new threat or some new thing going. And, you know, in Arkansas, since June, what, 22nd, of, uh, no, June 24th of 2022, when Ro- uh, the Dobbs decision came down and, and overturned Roe versus Wade, we've been, uh, you know, we ended abortions on demand in, in Arkansas. Yeah, now, we had a trigger. It went off as soon yeah. as that passed right. by the so, Supreme Court. The, you know, abortion on demand has ended in Arkansas, but the demand for abortion hasn't. So we're continually educating and offering now, you know, services, more services to pregnant women. Our state is doing a phenomenal job in uh, through the Arkansas Department of Health, their Every Mom Matters program, and also the crisis pregnancy centers. We have almost 50 crisis pregnancy centers in our state. So we want people to know that, that visit the fair, and to really get their help in, in uh, supporting Amendment 68 to our Constitution. And also we're going to have at the fair this year a photo frame so people can, you know, take a photo and post it on social media that says they stand for life. So we're excited to offer those things at the fair booth. And here's something really, I think, um, going to be much different that we've ever done before at the fair is that we're going to have a straw poll. Okay. So we'll have two questions that that Arkansas registered voters, and you were talking about voter registration a while mm-hmm. ago, um, in Arkansas at the fair, we will be able to register people to vote because we got the forms awesome. right there. You know, right. if they want to participate in the straw poll and they're not registered to vote, hey, we can take care of that. <laughs> so, you know, of course, we want them to be pro-life. Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. But anyway, they can take the straw poll. They get a free little gift if they want it. Uh, for doing that, and then at the end of the fair, we'll tally the results, and those that want to be notified of the results, we'll email them and tell them the results. Well, can you give us a little hint about what the question is going to be? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I'm always asking. Yeah. Well, the questions will have to do with how much they want to see life protected in Arkansas. Okay. Because... Makes sense. Right. Yeah. You know, around our country, we have seen ballot initiatives, constitutional amendment, referendums, things like that, to to change mm-hmm. the law or to clarify it, because that's what Dobbs did. Mm-hmm. He sent it back to the states. So yep. now the fight is in the states. 
and um, in Arkansas, we're protecting life. We want to keep protecting life. So we just want to gauge the public because we know that, uh, number one, the public needs to be educated about what Roe v. Wade actually did and, right. and, and also what now we can do or choose not to do in Arkansas, which is, you know, abort babies on demand without, um, without any reason, you know, or, or even if they have a reason, you know, give life a chance, you know. Options. Yeah. Well, give life a chance. Give that baby that was conceived a chance to live. And if you cannot parent that child, uh, let somebody else do that. Yeah, err on the side of life. Right. So we have the safe haven, you know, um, bo- baby boxes in Arkansas. And they've been very yeah, successful. They have. And by the end of this year, we should have about 25. Little Rock will be getting one. There's one on the works for Mayflower. Another one in, uh, I think it's um, Conway. And just some Don't other Don't we places. have one in Cabot? There is one in Cabot. Yeah and, yeah, and I think it was used here not too long ago. Not in Cabot. It hasn't. We've had five babies surrendered, okay. but none in Cabot. Three in Benton at the very first box that well, was ever installed. Well, that's very good. Yeah. I mean, I love hearing stories like that. Right, and, we, and, and that is a mother who realized that the best thing for her baby wasn't her. Yeah. You know, and put that child in a safe place where that child could be cared for immediately and that's what you know those those babies that are in those boxes they're there you know under five minutes you -hmm. know before they are treated by an emt sent to the hospital to be checked out fully and then they go into the dhs system to you know be adopted and that's an act of love in itself like if you can heroic love yeah that you went ahead and carried a child and then you know be out of love and want that child to have a life you can't give it or something you can't provide or maybe you have issues that you need to deal with in order to be a mom that you're willing to give it to someone who wants that child. Yeah, I want to I want to jump off on what you're saying there Simone. This is a way of showing the good in people. This is not to say you're a bad woman or you're going to be a bad mother. This is a way of saying you're the best because you got the child's future in mind and you cared and maybe you know you don't make enough money to take care of a child or maybe you're caught in a family situation that's not the best for that child you want to give your child the best possible future right it's great and it's not an easy decision i know it isn't no and but it's the right decision right and these are the types of things we get to talk to people about at the arkansas state fair who don't know who don't know about the safe haven law who don't know about the safe haven baby boxes and to know that there are real life affirming choices or options whatever you want to call them for mothers in arkansas now who cannot or do not want to go out of state for a, a legal abortion in Arkansas. They can't get an abortion, uh, a legal one. Um, and that's another thing. You know, we care about women. We care about their children. Yes, you do. We know that abortion hurts women, and it kills their children. And that's a, a, a terrible lifelong uh, loss a that scar. they will always have in their heart. Whether they share it publicly or not, you know, it's usually it's, it's a secret. It's it's a deeply held secret. But um, 
anyway, yeah, the fair is a great um, place for pro-lifers to go out and really share their deeply held belief that life is precious, life is a gift, and with other people. And the fair starts this Friday, October 13th. It goes through the 22nd. I need people uh, up until that Saturday, the 21st. Okay. So, you know, call me at the office, Arkansas Right to Life, uh, 501-663-4237. Let me see where I can put you because we need your help. Here in the studio with us, and uh, let's t- we talked about the fair. They need help. What's that number again if you want to help? 501-663-4237. All right. Keep that in mind. And... Uh, you got the black, the bow ties uh, for life going next year. You've got what uh, the well, March for that, life. What's yeah. all going on? Yeah, twenty twenty four is going to be a huge year. You know, election it's year. Not that and, far away. <laughs> but we started out, of course, as we do every January with our March for Life, and that's going to be Sunday, January twenty first. We always try to do it the Sunday before the Roe v. Wade anniversary. And yes, we are still marching for life. People say, "Well, why are you doing that?" You know, we don't have abortion in Arkansas anymore. Well, we don't today. We might tomorrow. You know, yeah. we've got to keep keep that issue fresh in everybody's mind and in their heart that we need to protect life in Arkansas, not only Arkansas, but our neighboring states, and, and know that, um, you know, just remember that over 60 million Unborn babies were killed during that tragic period of Roe v. Wade in our country. We can't forget that. You know, 125,000 in Arkansas alone. You know, so that's that's an entire city population in Arkansas, Little Rock, North Little Rock, you know. Uh, We can't ever forget that, ever. So we march for life, and we'll continue to march for life. Well, life goes further than just unborn babies as well. I mean— euthanasia and all the rest of the stuff that's being pushed uh, in our culture now is crazy. That's right. And in Arkansas, you know, dealt with that before. We have a law against physician-assisted suicide. But, you know, a few years ago, we had a pro-life lawmaker try to amend that and make it, um, you know, where a doctor could prescribe lethal drugs for somebody. So that was defeated. But, yeah, it's an ever, ever constant battle in this culture of death. Um, you know, so uh, we keep marching. Um, you know, that's that's the uh, January 21st, 2 p.m., marching back in front there down Capitol Avenue. Don't yet know who the speaker's going to be, but it doesn't matter. You know, we're marching for life. It'll be somebody good. It'll be, it will be somebody good. <laughs> right. It always <laughs> is. It will be somebody good. Yeah. And we're always blessed to have the support of our, you know, uh, U.S. delegation, whether it's a senator or a state, uh, I mean, a U.S. representative, and, and many of our General Assembly members, Arkansas senators and representatives always come to the, the March for Life, as, as well as our constitutional officers. So the governor, I expect her to be there. You know, I expect uh, our former governor, uh, Huckabee, and maybe Hutchinson will be there. So it's, it's you know, a do not miss event if you're pro-life in Arkansas. Yeah, I Sunday, agree January that. 21st. Okay. Bow tie yep. for life. Bow ties for babies. Oh, for babies. You know? I'm sorry. <laughs> That's going to be four days later, January 25th, at the Benton Events Center. Tickets will go on sale probably um, late October, maybe November. 
um, or maybe just after Thanksgiving. I don't know. We'll give people a break during the holidays and but they do need to budget because yeah. we are expecting a, you know a big announcement of our keynote speaker soon and we want people to get it on their calendar. We've already sent out a save the date. But it's it's a wonderful event to just celebrate life. You know, we make it fun. We have a photo booth and everybody wears a bow tie and it's just going to be a great event. So we're hoping to double our attendance this year and uh, make uh, a lot of money that will probably be needed in 2024 to, you know, to elect good pro-life candidates, you know, for office. And, and, you know, who else knows what might come up? But, uh, yeah, plan now for January 25th at the Benton Event Center. It's a do-not-miss event, like the March for Life. So come out and show your support for life. All right. Let me go back uh, about the, the crisis pregnancy centers. If I'm, if I'm correct, uh, in the last uh, legislative session, uh, some money was cut out for uh, these these centers. How is that helping them? Well, it's helping them tremendously. For the second time, they were awarded a $1 million grant from the state mm-hmm. to support their work. And it's needed now more than ever. I can't tell you the, the hundreds, maybe thousands of women that they have helped and, and families and save babies in the meantime, you know, ministering to these women where they're at with whatever their need is. They have uh, resources that they can um, lead them to, you know, whether it's for housing or jobs or just parenting skills, you know, and they minister both mother and father. You know, so these these women are able to go and get a free ultrasound. You know, some of them have mobile units that go around to areas that are underserved or not not served at all with the crisis pregnancy center, even though we've got almost 50 in our state. Mm. You know, so they are doing a tremendous work and need the support of all of your listeners and everybody that's pro-life to either volunteer at your local crisis pregnancy center, to donate their money to them, to go to attend their events. They're having in Cabot on the 24th, they're having one of their um, uh, banquets, and I'll be going to that and uh, supporting them in that. So, you know, their work couldn't be more important. And I hope maybe one day that the state will give them a little bit more money. I because agree. they're growing mm-hmm. and they, they need to grow, not only in our state, but around the country. Crisis pregnancy centers have been involved in pro-life work almost from the very beginning. You know, ministering to women. That's where I got my start at the Arkansas Pregnancy Resource Center in 1988 as a volunteer for two hours one day a week. Mm. I Pretty you, amazing to people who walk through the door, isn't it? Yes, and, and at the time I was working as a waitress, and I would leave my um, that volunteer shift to go to be a waitress, and it was hard to go back and to smile and be pleasant with people, knowing in my heart what I just witnessed at these centers of these women in desperate situations thinking that abortion was going to be the answer to their problems and make all the bad stuff go away and sometimes they're worse off i mean oh, well, well they will be as, yeah. as the years go by i'll, right. gu- I'll guarantee that yeah i'll gu- it will it will haunt you best way i can i can put it all right so rose you need help still at the fair what's the number again five zero one Six six three, 
1-800-242-4237. January 21st, March for Life. January 25th, Bow Ties for Babies. Yeah, we need volunteers at those events, too. So save that number. You want to do something, please help us, Arkansas Right to Life. All right. We appreciate you coming in, Rose. Always welcome. Know that. I hope you always know that. All right. We'll be back after the break at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, a Saline County librarian is no longer. I'll talk about it here in just a moment. News. Opinion. Insight. This is 101.1 FM. The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 